again? God, blimey. Third time lucky. Okay. God, blimey. Working hard here. Working hard. Hey folks, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Dow. Hello, Lindsay Dow. Hello, Kirsten Cable. Hello. Welcome to episode 44 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast. Today, we're coming to you, we're recording two this week, so we're stocking up for you guys. So Lindsay and I are quite, quite fired up, feeling quite good this morning. I have been doing a lot of Welsh recently and I wanted to tell you Lindsay I've been doing a lot of reading I'm trying to kind of study buddy up and be a bit smarter I guess ah interesting study yeah. buddy have you got a study buddy I haven't sadly maybe at some point well if, if any reader would like to read the same books that I'm reading I'm trying to get into the linguistics and learn a little bit more about how we people learn languages and there's a really a really nice book that I can I can thoroughly recommend if you're an adult learner, especially. Uh, it's called Becoming Fluent. It's oh. written by two MIT. I'll put it in the show notes as well, so you can just look in the show notes and you'll see it there. And it's basically by two, I think, an MIT cognitive scientist, um, and or two cognitive scientists, and they've written this book, which is a really good summary, kind of of how to prepare for learning a new language, how to kind of get your mindset ready, a little bit about how we build memories, a little bit about the language aspects of language that sometimes throw you, and whether it's worth learning a metaphor in a foreign language, and whether it's worth, you know, handwriting, and whether it's worth making flashcards, and some really interesting stuff. I've been taking quite strong notes so you're going to see like a little set of book notes on the blog at some point as well when I'm finished cool that sounds really good mm, it's it's definitely interesting it's a really interesting book it's not short as such but if you're a if you're an avid reader you can probably get through it in a week if you don't take the notes so I can definitely recommend that becoming fluent what have you been up to um whew, what have I been up to in terms of new books I guess I had some vote leave mail come through the post the other day. It told me Turkey was planning to join the EU. So I picked up Turkish in three months and ah, had a look at that. Did you? <laughs> yeah, genuinely. Just to um, say hello to them and stuff. <laughs> I like that. I'm not sure that's quite the impact they wanted their post to have, but hey-ho. That's the impact um, I want their post to have. I've, I've just been kind of plodding on at the moment, really. Kind of, uh, you know, figuring out where I'm at. I've, in fact, exciting stuff has happened yesterday. I finished the Duolingo Esperanto tree. What happens when you finish a Duolingo tree? I was hoping for a firework on on the screen. Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily coming out of the screen at me. That might have been dangerous in yeah. inside. Um, but I was hoping for a firework or something. And I just got to see the little owl with an Esperanto flag around his neck on a trophy podium. So it was slightly anticlimactic, I'll be honest. Oh, well, Duolingo need to work on that one. But I still have a few that have uh, the bars kind of down, you know what I mean? So there's still one that is not all golden. And I'm thinking now, maybe you only get the fireworks if it's all golden. So we'll see. So it's kind of encouraging me to keep going. And I told my friend Chuck, who's actually one of the designers on the course, I said, sent him a message saying, look, I finished. And he said, oh, here you go. And sent me a link. So these guys are prepared. These guys that created this course 
to sent me this link to loads of other things for like after Duolingo. So, you know, once you finish the Duolingo Esperanto tree, here's what you can do. Here's where you can find more information and find more things to, to learn and resources and people you can contact, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, really, really happy and, and quite excited to see what happens next. Cool. Oh, well, yeah, people you can. Oh, that's really nice. People you can contact. It's kind of if I knew that that came after Duolingo, because I so often um, I've, I wrote this blog article once about Duolingo and what bothers me about it and why I don't think it's the best thing to start with, like right at the start, if you're not um, already an experienced language learner, you know, if you're sort of starting from zero. Um, and people often take that to mean that I hate Duolingo, which isn't true. I'm using it and my husband's been using it. Like last week when he was in Germany, I, I kept hearing him sort of go like, like doing things on Duolingo and it going bing, 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 bing. <laughs> and, you know, in the background, I loved that. It made me so happy because it made, you know, it just made structured or marginally structured German learning a little bit more accessible for him. So yeah. there's absolutely nothing wrong with, with having it on your phone and or anything like that. But I love the idea. I wish that was more um, public, I suppose, or more of a, more in the message that there's something that comes after Duolingo. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this is just on the Esperanto course, if this is something that is kind of standard across all platforms, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and all, all courses they have on there. But yeah, I was really impressed because I was getting to the end thinking, well, what am I going to do next? Where am I going to go from here? You know, I've kind of got this knowledge, but I need to take it further. And the other thing is I haven't actually spoken anything yeah. you know so I feel like I've got this stuff in my brain and I'm I'm kind of able to construct a sentence in my head um but in terms of actually speaking out loud or having a conversation that's kind of where I need to to work on now but that said I think it's I've, I've really enjoyed it and it's given me a good foundation and overall I'm quite impressed with my Duolingo experience from zero to I was going to say hero a la Hercules but that might be a bit much. I'm not quite an Esperanto hero just well, yet. Well, once you get that golden at fireworks, I think you are officially able to crown yourself a Duolingo Esperanto hero, I would say. Really? I, I look forward to that day. <laughs> there, there's something about the app as well that um, I noticed in Christian's course, because it does vary very much from yes. course to course, doesn't it? Um, and I noticed in Christian's course, that it, which is um, German for English speakers, and mine is Welsh for English speakers. So Welsh hasn't done this yet. I might just not be far enough. But German told him he was 4% fluent or something like that. Yes. Now. And I yes. disagree with that strongly. Yes. Ashley had the same thing. He's been, he's going to Berlin in, in July and he had, he's learning some German with Duolingo. He had the same thing. It said like he, he came through and like, oh, look, I'm 4% fluent in German. And it told me to put it on my LinkedIn profile. And I thought, really? On your, <laughs> would that really impress a potential employer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean it's it's better than zero. I it's suppose better than zero. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm I think that's perhaps. Um, it's a little uh, generous. It's, maybe it may be a little generous. It may be a little generous, but it's it could be a good motivator. So absolutely, who knows? Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, if you're not a language blogger, podcaster, and person who thinks about this stuff every day, maybe you're not actually that bothered. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> maybe we're a bit uh, so a bit preconceived, but. Lindsay, do you know whose app has really, um, whose app I really like and has impressed me, and I've, I've I'm, I'm kind of been playing around with it. It's currently in beta, so okay. as we're recording this, you can't 
get this in the App Store yet, I believe. However, you will be able to at the time that this podcast is published. So guys, if you are listening to this and it sounds good, definitely go to the website and have a have a download. And that app is the Flash Academy one. Oh. Do you know the Flash Sticks one? I know the Flash Sticks one. Yeah, the Flash Sticks. I've, I mean, they've had an app obviously before, which has kind of played around with the the idea and the design of the the printed post its. I really like. Um, but what Flash Sticks has done is they've they've brought out a new app, kind of a, an elaborate a more elaborate version of their old app and it's really well designed it's it's really you know like first of all it's it's very cute very pretty it gives you a sort of duolingo style approach i would say you know where it kind of teaches you makes you spell things out etc mm-hmm. um but it every now and then i mean i've only been trying the the french because that's the only course available right now for the testers and every now and then there's a little bit of a a fact sheet you know where it then says let's talk about gender in you know okay so it it does address stuff like that as well it does address stuff like that That's cool and there's a really addictive bit called word games yeah and it, which is just it's a bit like if you ever played warioware on the wii a lot of w's in that if you ever played um that there's a lot of mini games in it you know it's like computer games when you have a little mini game and it's just push this block to the left, push this block to the left. Um, and they're, they're not very elaborate, but they're really addictive. And these word games are a little bit like that. So it's just really much word to word, much word to word. But because of the way the game is designed, I've really, I've, I've had a bit of fun with it. It's, it's really very nice and uh, a great one to check out. And I believe that the languages that are going to be available in the Flash Sticks app, Flash Academy, which you can download from flashsticks.com, I'll get this wrong, is going to be French BSL, English for foreign uh, language speakers, so English for non-English speakers, German, Italian and Spanish. Mm. Now, don't take 100% my word for it, but these are also the languages which you have available to you if you want to buy Flash Sticks post-it notes. Have you ever used them, Lindsay? I have. How did you how did you use them for yourself? Stuck them all over the place. Mm. For teaching or for learning? <laughs> um for teaching primarily, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they're really great for teaching and for kind of I can imagine if you're running a class, you know, I would give each student one of them, perhaps, or you can use them as a little reward system and give your student the kind of different ones and then at the end of the week actually get people to come back and go through the new vocab that they picked up with the flash sticks that they've been using yeah Mm, that would be really fun and i've also heard that they're great for parents and families so just in case you guys have we've lost you a little bit flash sticks is the company that makes post-it notes which have got really nicely designed vocabulary for these six different languages that i just mentioned printed on them oh no they do mandarin as well now and portuguese we discussed this last time so it's eight in total you can get all these different languages and they're really they're like a little british success story i think you know a little british company um just kind of coming in and i remember when flash six started i thought oh my god that's one of the ideas i had that i never you know (laughs) made into a business but I've been doing this for for 
years and years and years. I've always been sticking flash sticks, uh, not flash sticks, but post-it notes all over the place. And I really like the fact that when you buy a pack of flash sticks, you know, you get your beginners, intermediate or advanced. Yeah. What you can do is it's not just the vocab that you created in order to kind of drill it back into your head, which is very important and very useful, but you get that little bit of additional expansion. So my smart book, Becoming Fluent, calls that um, a zone of proximity. So you kind of learn just a little bit more than what you already know. Uh, okay. You mean like it tells you if it's masculine, feminine, how to pronounce it, that kind of stuff? Yes, but also when you buy a pack, that pack is going to have words in that you probably don't know yet. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. So if you, you know, once you know, I know all the words in the intermediate pack, it makes sense to then move on to the next one. Mm. But in the meantime, you'll, you'll have picked up more words along the way. So it's a great little source of vocab as well as, you know, a great little method for memorizing the vocab and kind of playing around with it and, you know, becoming creative. And this is the Creative Language Learning Podcast. So this is an extremely, I'm really happy to have Flash Sticks kind of supporting the show as a, as a sponsor. But also, I, you know, even without them being a sponsor, I was using and loving them before. And the, this app is really cool. So go to flashsticks.com and check out that app, as well as your usual trusty Duolingo, which you probably have on your phone. I wonder how many language learners have got Duolingo on their phone. Oh, it's something like 100 million, 150 million. On the phones? Really? Oh, I don't know, but that's how many people I think are learning with Duolingo. Yeah. Well, if you are a listener and you have Duolingo on your phone, send us a picture of a home screen and then I'm going to be publishing them in the show notes in the future. That would be really fun. To kind of see what's next to it, see what else you've fun, got on your fun, phone. Fun. <laughs> okay. Now, we would, we've already been talking about traveling and different ways of learning and the different things that happen in the old... Um, brain box when you are learning languages and that kind of brings me around to today's topic because we do actually have a topic that we want to explore a little bit more on the show and we want to talk to you about I guess the places where you learn is that fair to say Lindsay? That is fair to say. Mm. So and the large kind of mix of of com- kind of the two places where you'd you'd kind of really obviously learn a language you know and this is I'm talking about independent learners here so I'm not talking about when you're in school and you are learning in a classroom but really I'm thinking you can learn at home and you can learn in country so once you're out of kind of full-time education those are really your two places where most people learn a language and in-country learning is something that is fascinating that is a goal for many people and I think it's something that there are a few misconceptions about as well. So first of all, what is in-country learning? What does it mean and how is it different when you're learning in the country of your target language compared to home learning? And I was thinking about this and I thought home learning is, is it, do you, would you say it's fair to say that there is, it's much easier to get into a routine when you're learning at home? even if you're not living in the target language country? I think so. I think because when I think of in-country learning, I think of 
something more than a holiday you know kind of an extended stay of um of extended extended period of time in a country right whereas when you're at home it's familiar and the other things around you you know like work and uh and 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 meet your meal times and what you do and where you go that stuff tends to fall into place which means that languages tend to be able to fit easier um around that general routine you know whereas if you're in country in my mind I think I mean this is coming from someone the longest I've ever lived anywhere other than England is like three months right um so you know to my mind I imagine that it would be slightly more distracting and more difficult to create a routine you know if I've been anywhere for a long period of time I've I have found it difficult to get into good habits but maybe I've never been anywhere long enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And it kind of brings it round as well to in-country learning. It can be, you know, learning for a, you know, while you're on a temporary kind of stay. Absolutely. And I could, yeah, it could, could be something, anything from, you know, you might be on a two-week trip. You might be on a three, four kind of month stay where you're kind of living in the country for a little while. Or it might be you know you might be like me which is basically you've emigrated and you're just really settled in another country and life is a little bit different then and at that point you've built your habits again you yeah. you know it, it's you know but it, it probably takes six or seven months to really settle in one thing that strikes me about home learning versus you know any kind of on the road learning or the first must be six seven months of in-country learning yeah. is I think at home you've got a much more tendency to build up a lot of stuff which in learning can be a good thing. You know, you can you can get that extra dictionary on your shelf, you can get that extra textbook, etc. You because you've got the shelf space and you know where you're putting your stuff. Yeah. And you know where it say where it lives in your home. And as long as you use it, then it's useful, right? Exactly. But even if you have a Every now and then you've got a book that you might only use it, you might only use once every three months. Sure. And you just, I mean, my example of that would be Modern Welsh, a comprehensive grammar. Uh It comes off the shelf maybe once every two months at the moment. But I imagine, is, is, is that a book though that when it comes off the shelf, it is actually very useful? Yeah. And so, yeah, so it does have its purpose. It's not just kind of an additional it's not like my english learner's dictionary which is enormous but only comes off the shelf when i realize i haven't got a yoga block and i need something to to put my hand on i thought when you needed to look up the word for yoga block no actually when i need to use something as a yoga block because i don't really have to look up many words in an english language in an english german dictionary anymore yeah that's what surprised me i thought i'm sure you must know yoga block (laughs) Well, in German, I'm not sure actually. It's it's one of those words. That's another in-country learning thing um, that we can we can get to later. Is you build up an in-country vocabulary, and then you yeah. there there will be words that you don't know in your native language. That's interesting. Mm, definitely happens when you move out from, you know, like you really move. Yeah. So got in-country vocab. <laughs> okay. I think that's that for me that's probably more than building a routine and building habits because I think I struggle with sticking to habits more definitely more than you do 
um, as a as an upholder, as we've discussed in the everlasting, evergreen um, episode, what was it? 32, I think, where we talked about finding your language learning style and we talked about ways of building habits. Um, a really, really, if you haven't checked that one out already, we I'd recommend that episode to you guys. But I don't, you know, like habit building or falling out of habits, I notice when I fall out of my routine extremely, but it doesn't completely throw me as much as when I haven't got the things around me that are normally around me. I quite like that. Mm. So that for me would probably be the biggest drawback of in-country learning. But ultimately, you know, like, why do you think it is that people dream of this so much? Well, I think because the, the main reason to learn a language is to use it generally for a lot of people, right? Yeah. So to use it, you your automatic assumption is well if i want to use this language i have to be in the country or in a country that speaks this language to use this on an everyday basis and to really kind of maximize what i've learned and make the most of what i've learned and to still keep improving that's going to be the best way and i think that's not a wrong assumption at all no no not at all you know i mean in in comparison um like I said, I'd been somewhere three months. So when I was 18, I lived in Costa Rica for three months. And I narrowed the choice down to Senegal, French-speaking country, and Costa Rica, a Spanish-speaking country. Because I'd studied both of them for A-level. I wanted to carry on both of them. And the only thing that, that kind of um, cinched the deal, so to speak, for me was the fact that I'd studied French for a lot longer. So I figured, well, Spanish is newer to me in my life. Let's go somewhere that speaks Spanish and kind of try and bring that up to the same level. You know, I, I always felt that French was better in terms of school and grades and kind of the academic side. Um, even though when I, by the time I finished my A-level, I actually got just B, solid B in both. You know, I was the same level. My Spanish had come to the same point, which was quite cool. Mm -hmm. But I still felt that in terms of conversation, it was weaker. So I chose to go there. And now, even all these years later, I feel that Spanish is stronger. So I think there is something to be said for it. I think, did you, do you feel that just the, it's not necessarily so much about the using the language as such, but about the positive feedback that you get when somebody understands you and responds in the language. And that is what makes you feel that your spoken language is stronger and thereby gives you that, that extra confidence? Hmm, possibly. I mean, if, you know, if I'd gone to a um, beach resort in Spain instead of a small village in middle of Central America then perhaps people would have answered back to me in English and my Spanish wouldn't have come along as confidently mm. you know so there is definitely that to it but I also feel more so than that it was the thing that really helped me was the surrounding and the being surrounded by Spanish you know in my family um, that I stayed with there were two parents and four children and the children studied English at school you know I would help with their homework and things and sometimes I'd, I'd sort of help teach them words and they would try their English on me but generally we spoke in Spanish and the parents and the, the, the grandfather didn't speak any English at all and all the mm. family that would come over the aunts and the uncles the endless aunts and uncles that would come over all spoke in Spanish no English so I had no choice and 
that alone if if i'm if i'm at home i have a choice when i sit down in the morning to learn languages i can sit and learn languages or i can just sit and watch youtube or i could you know something unrelated on youtube or i could just kind of um kill time doing absolutely nothing at all i have that choice to learn a language whereas when you're in a country and when you're completely in that environment where it's necessary then you don't have that choice that's a really important one i think that you've you've hit on something really important there the fact that when you're in the country you haven't got you haven't really got a choice you've kind of got to you know like like that push that extra push i think is really attractive to language learners to to just get into that to just get to that point that is really interesting and i feel that something that we have discussed i think definitely several times this you know during during the most recent shows and a theme that i really see emerging as well is this idea of um once again kind of going almost in i i often think of it like going inside the map you know almost like a through the looking glass kind of thing that you know you can look at a foreign country on a map and you can sort of see oh yeah this is spain people speak spanish there and oh look here's a picture of the alhambra or whatever uh look here's a picture of costa rica how nice and it's not the same as being there you know you kind of want to dive in and experience it and and have it have it everywhere around you that's where this that's where the idea of immersion comes from i think this this dream or the the, the dream state of really being immersed so that everything around you is just got that that extra foreignness which is so lovely yeah. Even the thing that comes to mind, you saying that is even to the point of things like the keyboard in the internet cafe would be, you know, mm. the letters would be slightly different. They'd have the little, little Enya key, you know, <laughs> all of that stuff. I I remember because um, the town near the village I lived was quite popular. Well, is quite a popular tourist destination, more so with Americans for obvious reasons, ge- geography, etc. Um, and I remember sitting there one Saturday morning and just kind of hearing these American voices behind me going, excuse me, where is the at symbol? (laughs) (laughs) Because the keyboard was so, you know, just slightly different to what it used to. Yes. But but yeah, (laughs) that that always comes to mind. I've just been to Germany last week and the the German keyboard isn't QWERTY. It is Q-W-E-R-T-Z. Oh, yes. But because that's how I learned to type and also because I learned to drive on the other side, um, I'm very comfortable. You know, it takes me about five minutes to switch and then I'm fine. But when I came back to England, when I first, I think on Monday I rode my bike, um, so I was only on the bicycle, I was so confused about what side of the road I'm supposed to be on. And... I, I also realized how quickly I went back into t- into typing as if the Y and the Z are in the other places. Didn't realize this until I came back to England, started typing on my keyboard here and realized I kept putting Zs everywhere. <laughs> That's funny. I, I do that when I type on a French keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, um, like if, if I've got it, you know, installed on my iPad and I'll, I'll change the keyboard to French to write something in French to, you know, to get the spell check and everything up. But I'll spell everything wrong. <laughs> because of the keyboard you know so I don't adapt quite as quickly as that <laughs> no it, I was surprised because it 
with German it felt so natural. I just went straight back into what I had originally learned. And then coming back to England, the, the switch to English keyboard, English side of the road, was harder than the switch back to German, even though I live in England and this is like my normal everyday life. Oh, that's interesting. I I also thought that was interesting. I'm not sure what that tells me about people and learning and, you know, what we what we learned first, but maybe it's a bit like your first language that you, you know, you that's just not going to go anywhere in your brain unless, you know, like I mean there are diseases that can severely damage this, but of course, but in in most humans in a healthy brain, that's just that stuff is just there. Like even if you don't use it, it's just there. Yeah, do you think? I don't know. I think I think there's an age where. Anyway, we're getting off topic now. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we'll do the we'll, another episode. Yeah, we'll do the old age. We'll actually get somebody. Um, I don't know. We'll find we'll find somebody who is an aging expert, either an old person or an aging expert. <laughs> you know, talk about aging and languages. So that's a future show. Okay, let's talk about how it is different to learn in country let's say i like the idea of taking the sort of three to six month window you know where you're not coming on a on, i think you can benefit extremely and i'll i'll talk about maybe the the german experiment or project that i'm working on at the moment later uh, i think you can benefit in you know extremely strongly even if you just spend three or four days in the country um maybe less just linguistically uh, depending on how how immersed you really are um but also from the motivational boost and the you're not going to add anything new but you're going to really activate and and use what you haven't been using so far so it's that challenging exactly what Lindsay was saying earlier it's that challenging environment but let's talk about the what do you think maybe two month to six month window what is what do you think is different if you go as a beginner versus intermediate or an advanced learner i guess we'll we'll park the advanced and i'll talk about that later um because that was my experience with english but what's different between being a big beginner or having a bit of language under your belt do you think oh good question we've i mean we've talked before about the youtube series i have learning x in x right yeah. which basically i'll go to a country where i am a beginner as in from point zero pretty much in a language um, and I just walk around really excited finding what I can and identifying what I can and learning what I can from the streets and I really enjoy making those videos because I love being in that beginner phase and I think when you're in a country that curiosity is it has the potential to be expanded so much you know and and, and so how that would uh how well that would stay and that would last over a longer period of time like two to sort of six months i don't mm -hmm. know i think you'd have to approach any beginner moving to the country i think okay first of all let's start with I think moving to a country as a complete beginner and the language just magically emerges, immersing you so much that it magically works in your head is not, is a myth. Oh. I think that doesn't work. And I think yes. that's internet people telling you nonsense when that happens. Yes. But if you, 
exactly what Lindsay says. There is such an excitement. It's so wonderful to go to a country where you don't know the language. And if you approach it with an open mind and curiosity and you're not, you know, you don't have to be ashamed of what you don't know. It's really, it's not awkward. It's it's cool. It's fine. And if you can get by, but then approach this with the mindset of knowing you don't know it, but knowing also that you've got to do some work in order to, in order to make it work. So take a notebook with you and write down the words that you've learned. Ask people to spell those words. I think that is hugely important if you want to, you know, because again, I'm, I'm all about the core skills. Um, if, you've, if you've looked at the Fluency Made Achievable that I wrote, that is, that is kind of looking at um, how to grow your speaking, reading, listening and writing. Um, three of which you're going to automatically get in the country. But writing is sort of, in my eyes at least, it's the ground where everything else grows from. You know, and by writing, I don't mean you have to write a novel, but it helps to know what the words look like, how to spell them, and to write them out with your own hands. It actually does something for your memory as well. So I would, if I was to, say, move to Portugal and tell myself I'm learning Portuguese now, a language that I can't even recognise from hearing it at this stage, you... I, w I would take a notebook with me, definitely write down the words and kind of make sure I'm using them or I'm listening around, listening out for them really, really quickly. And I would also try at very early stages to put basic sentences together and really listen when people correct me because they do when you're a complete beginner. Mm. Yeah. And if you, if you, it, it's all about your approach, isn't it? You know, like you say, if you approach it with this kind of, well, I'm going to France, so that means I'm going to learn French. It's just going to go straight into my brain. No. <laughs> but, you know, if you go and you're ready and that, that being in the country serves as a really powerful motivation for you to actually put in work to learn more, then I think it's useful. And also, you know, about people correcting you, smile is the best advice I can give you for that. Just smile, laugh it off when you make a mistake kind of do that sort of nervous face of oh is that correct and then people will correct you people will want to help you because you're giving it a go and you're trying exactly and like we said in the learning language for travel episode a phrase book is going to be a really good friend at that stage where you don't really know exactly how to put sentences together yet but you're you know you're here to try um and phrase books have got the sentences basic sentences put together for you so that's a good it's a good kind of one to practice with um Something I've noticed, by the way, from going to a country as a complete beginner is my country of choice is Wales. And I've really often had people not just say, not just speak English to me, which is a frustration that many English native speakers share around the world, I think, um, but actually tell me that they don't speak Welsh. So I guess with British languages or minority languages, that is that is an extra thing. You kind of got to dig around until you even find the speakers. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, because I, I was like there with my phrase book doing the old. Um, ah, okay, I'm gonna. Can I order the beer in Welsh? Is that okay? And just like, oh, only Stephen speaks Welsh. He's not. He's not on. He's not on call today. He's, he's not, not worth. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm. I'm like in. I mean, it was, you know, a tourist kind of area of, of Wales, uh, Pembrokeshire, but still couldn't find a Welsh speaker. How sad. Oh. So I hope that, you know, I hope the tide is turning and with people, you know, Welsh is, is coming back. But that's another sort of interesting experience and goes to 
one of the things I often tell learners, which is that you can't expect everyone to be your teacher when you move to the country. You've got to bear in mind that they've got things to do as well. Yes, this is this is the other thing I think that, that goes with that. Definitely. That's... I mean, I think, how, how do you think then, how is this different if you are of a higher level? That's where I would say in-country language learning really comes into its own is really just gets so much more valuable every time you go you can get that much more out of it so the from the intermediate level upwards and intermediate can start at a2 you know you don't have to be three years of language learning intensely you know intermediate just means you you're beginning to sort of realize okay i kind of get how this works Mm -hmm. um it, it just gives you that the image in my head, it's almost like, imagine if you've got a waffle and you're pouring all the little sauce over it. What do they do in America? Maple syrup. You're pouring maple syrup on your waffle. Um, and you have to have the little holes that it goes into, right? Uh-huh. And it's, if you went to, this is the worst metaphor ever. I'm intrigued to see where you're going with this. Keep okay. going. If you go as a complete beginner... Your waffle is like a pancake, right? So it all kind of, a lot of it won't stick. So it'll all just run off the side. Still delicious, but it's kind of run off, right? Really good metaphor. Yeah, carry on. But if you're an intermediate learner, your waffle is a, (laughs) can't believe I'm doing it. Your waffle is a waffle, which means you've got. Very excited to find out what happens when you're an advanced learner here. There, your waffle is a, is is just porridge, where you just mix it all in. (laughs) But. Definitely, you know, as an intermediate learner, I think that's the ideal place to go to the country and learn a language. No, and then the the length of your stay doesn't matter as much because you've got the waffle holes ready, right? And <laughs> but you know, I hope, you... I hope that the country of choice is Belgium. In, indeed, the the country of uh, famous <laughs> waffles. Okay, I've got a title for this episode as well: language learning waffles. But you know, you, you you're just. Let's take it back to, I guess, take it away from breakfast foods. Uh, You're just that much more receptive, really. You know, you've got, you've, you've got the little hooks where all the language can catch. You've just got, you know, you've, you've got your, I don't know, I can't, I just keep thinking waffles. So you've got your, your, your waffle holes are ready to be filled with delicious maple language syrup. (laughs) It's just... It's just that much more. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> it's it's just you're that much more ready. Is yeah. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I agree. Save I me, agree. And I think because I feel like this is probably where I was. I was. I would say between B one, B two, probably probably low B two when I went to Costa Rica, having finished um, A level at that point, and. Yeah, so I, you know, I was I could have a good solid conversation. I could talk about the environment and immigration and all of those topics that I had to write about for the exams. But it was really good. You're right because it gave me the chance to advance with advance from beyond what I was used to, and what I was used to, I mean, textbook. And you get to a point with a textbook, with like a series and with a course where you feel like. How, seriously how much more stuff can I learn about this language and you know how many more words can I possibly learn when am I ever going to use this word 
when am I going to meet someone who speaks Spanish and we're going to need to talk about the environment or we're going to say, oh, let's discuss immigration. That's very unlikely to happen. And it gets to that point, I think, with with kind of intermediate to advanced language courses that can be quite um, frustrating if you don't have the chance to either speak to native speakers in your home country or to go in country and to get some get a chance to learn kind of you know on the job so to speak Mm -hmm. and it also gives you that chance of it almost completely flips your world view from when am I ever going to use that word to I'm using that word other people are using that word that word is a real thing exactly it's like it's like I guess with 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 the same thing happens I think with a lot of subjects in school I'm thinking of maths like all of the stuff I learned in maths from kind of year seven onwards from like age 11 onwards poof trigonometry and pi and sin cos and tan all of Mm -hmm. that stuff I saw no use for that in my daily life and I had no practical experience that then gave me a use whereas you know seeing no use for all of that vocabulary and those topics that I learned about at A-level and then actually going somewhere and speaking with people and having the chance to discuss those topics potentially then you realize oh you know this stuff is useful because it's going to help me to go beyond hola que tal si sí, bien gracias right mm-hmm. and it's you know that's that's why that's why it's I think so hard to build up a really good language exchange Um, because you've you know like with Skype or something like that it is easier to get in contact with all the words that you know like you need to bring a language to life at intermediate level when you are in the country even if you're just there for a little bit and that's why it's also so great to watch television or read the newspaper and you know like really start getting involved you just need to you need to change your perspective, I think, at that point and start, stop looking from the outside in and start kind of going inside a little bit. That's what's going to boost your motivation. And I know that that is what I've always struggled to do with French and France. I have been to France. I've spoken French in France. I've got a whole, you know, I studied France, French at university, but I've never lived there. And I know that that is a deficit uh, on some level that at, at one point I'm going to address Okay, now, the advanced learners, and by advanced, I really mean, you know, you're, you're comfy, you you know, you may have already been a few times to a specific country, uh, you might, a lot of people, I think, who are advanced language learners who don't live in the country, might be getting into touch with the language at some point through their workplace, or family, or relatives, so that you already have that need, I think, you you don't get you don't get to advanced level or very rarely get to advanced level without uh, like people or or without having that feeling that the language is alive even the latin speakers that we saw at the polyglot conference latin didn't feel dead to them they didn't make latin feel dead they made latin feel alive so i think it's that you know language has to live in your in you to some extent and I I moved to England, I would say, at a stage where I was advanced. I had had quite intensive training in business English, but from a native speaker. Um, so that Wait, from a native English speaker or native German speaker? 
Uh, I had a guy from Canada and a guy from Manchester. Okay. So native English, okay. Native English. Well, I was up to the point where I did my Abitur. I only had German native speakers teaching me English. Yeah. And I was fluently speaking English is what I would say. Um, I did a lot of my own sort of, you know, listening to music and perhaps I was reading English newspapers and stuff. I was really into indie music. Um, still am, <laughs> I guess. So, you know, I, I, I was I was following music um, in, in English, which really helped my language skills, I would say. I was reading novels, but, you know, it, 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 it kind of took on a new level then when I got native language teachers, even though they were teaching us, like, how to write a business letter or whatever, how to make a phone call in, in the English-speaking office. But then, when I moved to the country, oh, my God. And I got, do you know the IELTS test? Yeah. Yeah, I tested as nine, level nine, which is, for all intents and purposes, the highest level you can get. You know, you're basically like a native speaker. Moved to Preston in the north of England, joined the rugby team, got a coach from Preston, did not understand a single word that man said. No idea. One of my best friends now is my is one of my best friends because she was from London and she was, she, she had... I understood what she was saying because she didn't have this strong accent and she she did me the favor of basically translating what people around me were saying. That's funny. She was super patient and generous with her with her English and you know uh, people thought I was South African when I moved there and over time I think what moving to the country at the stage where my English was already very advanced did for me is first of all it got me all the it got me all the benefits that you get when you move to another country and you really settle there and live there for a long time but if I'm thinking about the first year or two in terms of language skills it wasn't so much about linguistic competence anymore it except for accents um, and learning Prestonian <laughs> but it was about it was about something else. It was about where do I fit in with this, these people, how they think, how they are. Where do I fit in with them and where do they fit in with me? And I think that was really where England and English kind of merged with my life. And, and I think that is really where I took on most identity from the language I was learning. Okay. So if you're a if you're an advanced language learner, moving to the country does a lot for you in terms of confidence still, in terms of you know, language skill, but to me it kind of feels like it's not even really it that's not even the that's maybe fifty percent of the benefit you get. And then there's something else there that is more about you know, like who you, who you are and where it fits in. And it, I don't know, it's like where it's, it all kind of gets really so settled with you that you know this is with me for life now. That's really interesting. And you, I suppose it's hard to say because I guess maybe there's no comparison. In comparison, you know, maybe there's no language that you have that is, is that was as high a level as your English. But do you think that that's the only thing that would have done that for you? that would have got English that solid and settled in your brain? Mm, 
French is at a stage in my brain where I can, you know, whenever I hear French, I never struggle to understand it. it I can speak French, but not error-free, but I can speak French sort of at the drop of a hat, but I always have to, the switch and the hesitation. With English, I don't have that anymore. Okay, and I have a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. Do you think in English? Yeah. Everybody asks you that after yeah, a while. No, no, it's probably the standard question. The next one is probably going to be just as boring. Is it the dream one? No. I get. Yes. Do you dream in English a lot? Yeah, that was that was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know what it means. Because um, for me, as someone who has never lived in a country that speaks a different language as as long as you have by any means. When I dream in a different language, for me, that's like a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. like, what? Okay, I'm in. I'm in now. This language is there. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, does it happen more frequently than you would dream in German? Yes, definitely. Okay. How- however, I don't know. I take dreams as less of a kind of indication of what's long-term in my long-term memory or brain or something like that, uh-huh. but of more of an indication of what I'm processing around me. Yes, I agree. So, so it's more of a kind of, I mean, sometimes my students, or I've had students say to me, oh, I dreamt in German. I must be, I must be getting good. And I'm like, I love that you're getting, I think you're, you must be getting immersed. Like your brain is really working hard on this and that, that is awesome. That, yeah. That's exactly what what I mean. Like you feel like it's yeah. You you must be being immersed. Not that. Well, I've dreamt in German. That's it. I don't need to study anymore now. Mm. <laughs> Not quite that. That would be great. I would. Oh, I, I'd just yeah. open a business where I make you dream in German. Get Darren Brown in. I know Those people. Yeah, Darren Brown. Or what's the other guy? Magneto? No. I was about to say Jimmy Carr. That's definitely not the other guy. Jimmy Carr is a comedian. No. Oh, no, there's a guy, an American guy, long hair. Dynamo? Dynamo! Okay. So I was trying to think of a stage magician that would mean something to our American friends. Because I think Darren Brown hasn't made it to there yet. Oh. David Blaine. David Blaine. David Blaine. Yes. Can we link in the show notes? There's a fantastic interview with David Blaine. I'll send you the link. Yes. So we've got David Blaine. And you will find all these uh, all these gentlemen in the show notes. to do with language learning. Darren Brown. Oh, there is also a, um, a stage hypnotist uh, called Paul McKenna mm-hmm. in the UK who does a lot of sort of self-help books in terms of I can help you quit smoking and I can make you thin and I can make you, you know, like a better human, etc., um and funny story kind of actually works because i know i lost i lost about 20 pounds um after i did after i bought the paul mckenna thing well there you go that's it get get people dreaming yeah get people dreaming never decry what what works that's it language learner boom right we've we've discovered the secret kirsten waffles hypnosis and mind control so far on the creative language learning podcast not that creative <laughs> it is certainly creative <laughs> so i think the the in country learning golden child i think we've we've sort of found would you agree is the intermediate learner 
and you you know that's not to say if you're an advanced learner you've got nothing to gain because i think you're actually intermediate for a long 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 time and also a uh, sneak preview here guys you're never finished anyway you never finished learning a language i'm not finished learning english and you know lindsay's not finished learning spanish etc and those english. are probably our strongest Lindsay's languages not finished learning english that's correct that's correct and wait I've wait wait not... oh wait for this i'm gonna rip this in front of the microphone did you hear that yes this is a calendar on my desk of words english words today jibe okay yeah utter taunting words to yes. deride or tease with taunting words for example in the locker room the players were playfully jibing and trash talking one another jibe jibe did you not know that word i don't think i did know that word ah oh, I'm, I'm just i'm just jibing no jibing We'd say, like, I'm just joshing. I'm just joshing with you. Yeah, bantering. Bants. Just for the bants. <laughs> That's so Southern. So when you're an intermediate learner, I've sort of, as we were as we were talking, I've kind of come to five reasons why being an intermediate learner is kind of the best time to start. Because you know, like we said, if you're, you know, even if you're an advanced learner, it doesn't mean that you're ever finished. Lindsay is not even finished with English. I'm not even finished with German. Um, but here are, I would say, five reasons why the intermediate learner, sort of when you've got a little bit, uh, when you've got your waffle holes a little bit already carved, um, why this is the best time to start in-country learning. Number one is because it takes away choice. You don't have to make up your mind to do this. The world around you is kind of forcing you to do it. But also, you are ready for it at that point. Because that intermediate stage, I find, tends to last for a lot longer as well than the beginner stage. And that's where a lot of people... It's definitely where I've kind of stopped with a lot of languages. Yes. It's a very the, easy place to stop. I think the intermediate stage is the after six months all the way up to first 10 years of learning a language yeah that's how it feels anyway it does feel yeah that's probably mm. not a bad estimation to be fair so you know don't don't ever feel bad about saying you're you know you're intermediate or you know like picking out your your levels are levels are nonsense anyway levels levels are not you so you know it's it's about it's about how much have you still got you know, how much space have you got for this stuff? And you'll always hopefully have a load of space. So number two is that it really opens up this discovery of a non-English world. So you, you just get, you know, all those words that you've been maybe learning in books or on TV. They've always kind of lived on a screen or lived in a book and not really jumped off that page. Once you're in a country, that word will jump off the page. So that's, I think, a wonderful reason why going and learning in country when you've already got a little bit of language under your belt is the best time to do this number three is you get to use the language you get to converse in the language so again everything that so far has been kind of restricted and maybe you've not really had a chance to talk to people about specific things that you're interested in or maybe you've just not had the chance to enjoy that many conversations or even asking for directions it doesn't have to be you know discussing philosophy of immigration it's it's the perfect chance to use what you've learned so far 
So go with a little bit under your belt and you're going to feel that much readier and you're going to have something ready-made, a little toolkit that you can use instantly. Number three, and this is what I said at the top of the show, is you get this in-country vocab. So I don't know whether this, this is something that makes you feel proud after many years. For me, I mean, in myself, I don't really know. But there are many words that I know in English, such as yoga block, that I have no clue what they are in German because I've just never used them in my own native language. Which just goes to show, and I guess teaches you as well, that you're never finished learning any language. And it's a great feeling, in a way, to be more advanced in a foreign language than you are in a native language. Quite fun. <laughs> number three, because you must be good if that's happening. I think, uh, number three, no, I'm on number five. Number five, you get to fall in love with the country, you get to fall in love with the world where that language is spoken in an entirely different way. And it's sort of, you know, this is this is the chance at any level, intermediate, beginner, advanced, this is the chance that you have for getting a country to almost seduce you a little bit and be there and have all these, the more positive, great feeling, um, fun, stunning, just remarkable experiences you have when a foreign language is really prominent around you, the better you're going to feel about it. The better you're going to be, you know, the more encouraged you're going to be to learn that language. And the more it's really going to be something that you want to be part of your life. I have one counterpoint to that. Do you? Okay. Mm. And I think it could still be a good thing. Yeah. But you could learn the basics of a language, you get to that sort of lower intermediate level let's say you go to a country where it's spoken and actually you hate it and there's nothing to fall (laughs) in love with perhaps it could happen right I'm sure it has happened to people and then I guess that's a good thing though because then you know okay maybe this is the end of where I go with this language maybe I don't Mm. want to take it further because I have no reason to as such anymore not, not every country is instantly seductive necessarily I'm reminded of my first visits perhaps to um, Moscow and it was at a time where the the weather isn't very nice sort of you know March kind of April springtime it's not quite warm yet and the snow is kind of melting and it was really sludgy weather not very nice and you're not used to the way you realize that... that's very British of you to to judge it by the weather so. by the weather <laughs> perhaps yes definitely definitely and also the fact that you know people people aren't as smiley as you're used to so it it can take a little bit of time to love and it took me maybe two or three days and then I had this moment of um I think we were on a hill somewhere and I looked down and it was a sunset over Moscow and you sort of look over the city and you go oh my god it's really beautiful I want to learn Russian um, but you know, it took a little while. Sometimes they 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 take a little bit of time to come out of the woodwork. But I do think though that like we're all different, right? So maybe not every person would love every country in the same way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you know, you could still you could still learn something thinking, oh yeah, I'm really intrigued by this language and this this country and this place. Then maybe you go there and it could be a disappointment. But like I say again, then that's a good thing because then you know rather than still kind of you you know you're still at home and you keep learning thinking this is the one this is my place yeah you absolutely know? yeah I like that I think that's that's very very interesting idea and 
if you've kind of dipped your toe a little bit in a language and then you don't have a good experience in a country i mean if it's a large world language you luckily have the option of just moving on or trying again um and you know not lose motivation but you're right this is a i guess it's a motivation risk but you know actually the other thing like um, now, now I'm drawing from personal experience, whereas before I wasn't so much. I was just playing devil's advocate. But now I'm thinking about it. When I went to Indonesia, I had the worst time. Like, I had some nice days. But on the whole, when I think of being in Indonesia, I'm like, oh, God, it was horrible. You know, I just had some really bad experiences. The people that I was staying with that was supposed to be couch surfing asked for money and I was in the middle of nowhere. I had no transport. And then the next place I went to, the the girl I stayed with was really mean and I had to then leave like in the middle of the night. And then uh, and then after that, I had a couple of days in a really nice place with this lovely Swiss girl who had been there for like three months and showed me around and it was brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know... When I when I think of it overall, I think, oh, yeah, oh, it was stressful. But weirdly, now, and not even now, like probably sort of two weeks after I left, I was like, hmm, I want to give it another chance. You know, I, 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 I didn't feel that that was a fair judgment. So sometimes you're right, it does take time. And sometimes that time doesn't even come in a first visit. And I hadn't learned any Indonesian by then. I learned some very basic stuff with the with the Swiss girl one evening, but that was that was it. And but from a country point of view, I just I just thought I'd share because. Hmm. Yeah. But now I want to go back. So <laughs> sometimes it's after the fact when a place really gets gets you. That's true. Sometimes it's after. Sometimes it takes a few goes. Yeah. Like my my appreciation of um, both. Both uh, Russian-speaking places that I know that I've traveled to, Russia and Kazakhstan, only came sort of after the third or fourth time. Okay. And I think that that had a lot to do with getting used to the fact that people just don't smile as much in the street, etc. And I'm very smiley, cheery, not shy. And I had to get used to a slightly different way of interacting. And <laughs> definitely a slightly different sense of humor. Um and and you know once you kind of get your parameters sorted out you're you're good and that is why i guess that brings it back to that's why learning a foreign language is a challenge to start with in the same way that going to a foreign place is a challenge to to start with and the you know the more the better and you've you've got the perfect demonstration there of how to get over that which is just to try again hmm. so i i like your story i think it's motivating yeah yeah okay i've got a little bit of news and updates before we call it to a close because i know we're running a little bit long today um mostly because of all the giggling about waffles so news and updates first of all i wanted to mention to you guys if you happen to be a german learner and you happen to be intermediate and you want to experience the country you know together with me i am putting on for the first time ever and I'm quite excited about this I'm I'm putting on an event called the fluent german retreat and in this retreat it's it's suitable if you're maybe at the end of 
I, well, if you're intermediate, be one. So if you really are kind of at that stage where you can have a kind of decent conversation, but you definitely don't feel, you know, you're feeling ready to use your language and you've been studying for a good while and you're like, oh, I just need this to come alive off the screen. That is how I've designed this. And it's a trip that really shows you where I'm originally from. It shows you a beautiful, beautiful area of Germany. It's a five-day language learning immersion program and I would love for you to just check it out. It's at germanretreat.com. But now about the podcast. Um, we have been getting a bunch of listener comments from you guys that it's so, so lovely and we feel that the one thing that we would like for you guys to do because your comments, the feedback that we've been getting about recent episodes has been so awesome. Um, the one thing that we would love for you to do, uh, we want to do a listener feedback episode, I think in episode 48, we would love for you to record yourself and send us your voice so that we can play your call on the show. The easiest way to do this is to simply grab your mobile phone, you've got any kind of smartphone, use any kind of voice recording app or record yourself using QuickTime on your Mac. You don't need a microphone, you know, a, a phone microphone is perfectly going to do the job. And then email the message to Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N at fluentlanguage.co.uk and I'm going to have a listen to it. It's Especially if you've emailed us before, I'm going to get in touch and ask whether you would like to do this. We'd really love to hear your voices on the show. I think it's going to make the show absolutely fantastic. And further to that, we also want to just tease right now that we do have plans to have to make a very, very special episode number 50. And that's just around the corner for the Creative Language Learning Podcast. Da, 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 da. Boom! <laughs> And with that in mind, I would like to remind you, uh, it's been it's been a little bit quiet over on iTunes and please do keep reviewing, um, coming, logging into iTunes, just leave us your comments, leave us a few ratings and I'm going to start tweeting the five star ratings that we've received as well um, to really share the wonderful messages that you've been leaving us. So, you know, like, keep working hard. <laughs> it helps our show massively it's it's the it's the thing that keeps the creative language learning podcast alive to be honest along with along with our sponsors but if you don't listen and you don't you don't review us sadly wah, 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 we are going to we're going to be unable to keep the show going and I've, i think you and i both know Lindsay, that we would love to and we we still got so much to talk about in terms of language learning always always that's right so are there any further announcements that you would like to make, Lindsay Dow? Do we need to just give a little uh, hey, hey to our sponsor? Absolutely, yeah. We could do another shout out to Flash Sticks, our good friends at Flash Sticks, who are kindly helping us bring the Creative Language Learning Podcast to your headphones, to your computer, wherever you're listening right now. Go to flashsticks.com. And like I said, I have tested this app for you, Flash Academy. It's available on Android and on uh, iOS phones. And it is most certainly worth your time, most certainly worth your while. Check it out. Uh, if you want to buy yourself some Flash Sticks, you can also get 10% discount using the code Kirsten10. That's K-E-R-S-T-I-N 10. And we love Flash Sticks, right? I love having them as a sponsor. I'm always really excited when they come back. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. 
Um, with that being said, I think that is it for episode 44 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast. would love to hear your stories of living in different countries and learning in different countries. We've met many of you in Berlin and I'm just about to do Polyglot Pub in Manchester. So I'm hopefully going to meet a few more of you, get a few more stories of living in country, learning in country. But if you've got a story, like I said, record yourself and email it to kirsten at fluentlanguage.co.uk and you're going to hear your own voice on the show. And with that, it is goodbye from me. Goodbye. And goodbye from Lindsay Dow. Yeah, mata. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N-H-A-M-M-E-S. -M -M -E 